looked in Philippians on Sunday mornings is where we've been, and we were reading, uh, we're reading from an epistle of somebody who's in a, who's in bonds. He has a chain. He has stocks, or he has at least uh, bonds around his wrists or feet or both, at some level. Uh, it's probably that he's in a house arrest, though. If you look at the end of the book of Acts, it appears that that was the type of imprisonment he was in, was sort of a house arrest. Um, later on, when the Apostle Paul died, he was in another, he was in at least two uh, confinements, and maybe more. Um, well, actually, we do know it was more. Acts 16, he was in one, but two major confinements. And the last one that Paul was in, he died there in what no, church history says was the Mamertine prison in Rome. But here he is also in Rome. This is the, not his last uh, confinement, but he, it is one, and it's not, I'm sure it's not easy. And Paul's writing to this church and just telling them how to be happy, <laughs> uh, telling them to have joy, telling them to be content and to not murmur and dispute and complain, and just giving them an uplift. And you can see that he has that himself. And so we have a good uh, uh, example, even humanly speaking, from the Apostle Paul as he's writing this. So today we're going to look again at, focus again on verse 14 uh, about doing all things without murmurings and disputings. We're going to focus again on it, and maybe again in the next week. And if you start complaining about it, then I'll do it again. All right? All right. So, uh, so we'll at least do today, and I just feel like uh, uh, God's given me some things that I think are helpful and that maybe it'll help us hold on to this, uh, this truth a little firm, more firm. And Adam even helped us today in the psalm what we went through. All right, psalm, or pardon me, Philippians 2, <clears throat> look at verse 14. And we'll read verses 14 to 18. Here we go, Philippians 2, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and, and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Again, notice the scripture here. Verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. And then he gives a couple of reasons why. And that's what we looked at last week, is the reasons and how Paul's a good example. But I just want to focus in on really how to do this, <laughs> how to do verse 14. All right? Um, my wife, sometimes with a gleam in her eye, and maybe she's watching right now on Facebook Live. Uh, she's at home with Charity. <clears throat> Charity's got this really bad rash. And so... Uh, we don't know if it's leprosy, or something. <laughs> but, but uh, uh, no, we're just, it looks pretty bad. Like, what is this thing? So we're taking her in tomorrow. Deb's at home. Um, sometimes, and my kids know this, sometimes my wife, she gets this little gleam in her eye. And she, see, my wife shops once a week, usually, Friday, and, Friday or Saturday or both, and grocery shopping. And, you know, sometimes she just gets this little gleam in her eye and says, hey, Let's see how long we can go without grocery shopping. Almost like this. And the boys are like, what? 
And she's like, yeah. She almost has this, yeah, wouldn't that be, let's see how long we can live without shopping. Just start emptying out the, you know, we're down to oatmeal <laughs> and potatoes. I mean, that's her implication. And, and it, so she'll say that every now and then. Every, didn't she said that before, Jimmy? You remember saying that? Let's see how long. And she just gets like, see how, what we could do, you know. And, 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 and I, I'm starting to kind of get on board with them. Like, Maybe we could do something. You know, I'll have my stash <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> my Chips Ahoy stash somewhere. But, <laughs> but uh, she, she just does that. And so, you know, um, we haven't done it, though. We haven't done it. But. She'll, she'll prolong us sometimes. You know, the boys will sometimes think they're ex- suffering drastically because there's no cereal and we have to have oatmeal instead. But, um, but it's neat to think about what could, I, what could I do? What could I do without? What could I do without? Um, well, let's ask that, my American. <laughs> and I'm an American. We're. What could we do without? A lot. We could do without a lot of stuff. Um, what would it be hard to do without? Ah, the things that maybe we're really accustomed to having every day. You know, certain things we eat or drink or get to watch or whatever. But there is something that we are commanded to do without. It's right there in our text. We are commanded to do without this. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, he says. Okay, murmurings and disputings. We have to do without those two things. Now, let's describe them. We described them last week. The concept of both of them is complaining. That's the concept. And what I, as I've looked into the words, it appears that one's a little more uh, passive and one's a little more active. One's a little more subtle. One's a little more overt. Murmuring is just like... It comes from the word of the cooing of doves. It's just that you walk away and you grumble. Or you're done talking with somebody, then you complain behind their back about them. It's murmuring. You murmur. It's sort of the subtle complaining. Disputing is where you take it to another level and you get in their face and you start arguing about something. Do all things without this grumbling and this argumentative uh, spirit. That's what we're commanded to do life without that. He's not saying do life, it's not on an, it's not, he's not telling us to do life without ever saying help. That if you say help, I need something, that's not murmuring and complaining um, or disputing. If you say, hey, I need to go talk to that guy, he is doing something really bad. That's not murmuring and disputing, that's a friend that loves enough to rebuke somebody, according to the Proverbs. So we're not talking about somebody who says, hey, I need help. Or, hey, I'm hurting. Or, hey, I need to go talk to that guy. He's doing something bad or they're doing something bad to me. It's not, it's not saying we should t- say something negative. Or, nor is it saying we, we shouldn't be const- uh, have constructive criticism. Constructive criticism is where you want to take away and you want to replace. We need constructive criticism. We need uh, helpful points of uh, um, uh, pointers. And we need to speak up when there's a need and so on, but it's just talking about this bad attitude. The murmurer, the subtle bad attitude that you might not always detect, and the disputer where it's obviously a bad attitude and he's complaining and arguing about everything. 
Paul says, live life, do life without it. And he's exemplifying it right in front of us. If you were to digest more of his words here, you'll see this guy's living what he's preaching. And he gives us a reason. We're not going to re-preach it, but verse 15 and 16 talk about the reason that we should live that way is so that we will appear blameless and honorable before a dishonorable world. A dishonorable world needs more grateful Christians, less complaining Christians. And Paul says, if you do all things without murmurings and disputings, it'll be that you may be blameless and harmless and you'll be obvious. Those are the happy sons of God without rebuke in the middle of a crooked, twisted, perverse nation among whom we shine as lights in the world. And that should accompany us as we hold forth the word of life. In other words, again, um, thankful people that are live life without murmuring and complaining are, can be a good testimony. That's the gist of this passage here. That's the gist of it. But what I want, again, is focus on is how does I do verse 14? I, you know, you know, it's, like, it's kind of like, how do I live without... You know, some of you, maybe you started a diet already or whatever, um, or you're going to start one. I'm going to not do any sugar, or I'm going to do much less sugar. I'm going to do my diet without sugar. Well, if you try to do that, you're going to have to make some adjustments, right? Maybe it means that you, you choose differently on your uh, other foods, and uh, you have more fruit. With me, if I, re if I get rid of sugar, I'm trying to reduce a lot of sugar. I don't really do a lot, but I'm trying to reduce it, reduce it more, and I noticed when I did reduce sugar, I, fruit helped. I think it's okay to have God's sugar, you know, the fruit. And so fruit helps me live without sh sugar. Um, what would help me live without murmurings and disputings? I need something to help me live without this. Because if you're an American like me, it's a pastime. It's a great American pastime. What? To sit down, cross your legs, and complain about the government and the taxes and the coronavirus, the people who vaccinate and people who don't vaccinate and those bad people who wear masks and those bad people who don't wear masks. It's good pastime to have, right? Yeah, that's our pastime. Baseball, apple pie, complaining. That's what we do. That's us. That's us. We're, we're like we, we have the children of Israel flavor, you know. And so, uh, well, if we're going to put that off, that thing, that way of life that's so ingrained in us, I need some help living life without it. I need help living life to putting off murmuring and complaining. I realize it's so, and Adam was kind of speaking of the same thing in Sunday school. It's so weaved into my life and uh, into, my, uh, into my ways sometimes. Well, there's different styles of complainers. You know that? Different styles of murmurers. Different styles of, of disputers. Let me give you a few different styles that I see in Scripture. Here's the, just the outright whiner, Israel. And Adam described that to us from the Psalms and from the Old Testament uh, in Sunday school class. There's the whiner style. And you whine. Just whine. God gave them ten miraculous plagues to help release them out of, Israel, out of Egypt. They cross the, the, the Red Sea and they, they start whining already. Ah, oh, yeah, all right, I'll just send you some food right out of heaven then. He sends them food right out of heaven. It's the, um, you know, Twinkies, uh, no, it was, uh, manna. He sent them the manna, the bread from heaven. They ate it and they started complaining about that. So he gave them some meat until it came out their nose. And they complained, of course, about that. And then they complained about you know, at different points in the wilderness, they're complaining, just whining and complaining, just whiny people. 
They had what they needed. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out, but they had what they needed. They're just like, you know, little, uh, you know, just a little third grade whiner. And that's what they were. And we could be like that. We could be like overgrown. Uh, we could be like some of the little kids that complain a lot. We could be like that. That can be our style. There's another style of, of complaining is the, the, the envious complainer. That's Dathan and Abiram. If you don't know who Dathan and Abiram was, they were two men. At least one of them was Moses' cousin, actually, maybe both of them. And they came to Moses as Moses has been appointed by God to lead massive amount of people in the wilderness. They came to Moses, and the Bible said they envied him. That is, they, they're like, who does he think he is? He just thinks he's a big shot. And they really wanted what he had, and they wanted to be the ruler. Moses was re the reluctant leader. He actually tried to get out of his job, but he ended up taking the job. And these guys come, Dathan and Abiram, they say, who do you think you are? You just think you're the big shot. These people are fine. They don't need you over them, just micromanaging them, just this overbearing. And I'm kind of paraphrasing it. And they just come out, they rebel against Moses, and they really envy him. And their complaining arises out of envy. Sometimes we complain because we're envious of somebody. We might talk bad about another person, but it's because inside you might envy them. We've got to watch out for that. There's the whiner, the envier. Then there's the cynic, the cynical person. You know, when you read Ecclesiastes, sometimes Solomon just seems a little cynical, doesn't he? It's all a waste of time. It's all a waste of time. Vanity, vanity, you know. And God wanted us to hear that. There's, there's, it's all truth, and it's all sentiment of a person who does not see life in light of God. And that's how, Moses, or that's how Solomon's mentality was being recorded as under the sun just under the sun, just the natural world, just the natural life. And he's very cynical after a while, very cynical. And so we can be cynical and sarcastic, and it comes out our mouth, and it's basically murmuring and complaining. Um, it can be very cynical. The political talk shows are very cynical towards the other side, constant back and forth. We've got to not let that get into us. The cynicism of the Democrats to the Republicans, of the Republicans to the Democrats. Don't let that get in you. I'm not saying don't take a side or have a brain and know what principles are right. I'm saying don't have their attitude. Don't have their attitude. Uh, there's the whiner, the, the envier, the cynic, and then there's the perfectionist in the Scripture. Now, the Bible talks, I don't know, three or four times in Proverbs about a wife who you just can't make happy. Uh, it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and brawling woman in a white house. Better to dwell on the rooftop with a brawling woman. It's talking about a woman that's like, you can't do anything right. It's all, it just can't, it can't be perfect enough. And um, so there's different types. And, and I'm not saying only women can be that way. Men can be naggers and contentious. But there's different styles. It could be the, you're just a whiner. Or you are, you're envious and you know how to pick people apart. Or you're cynical and have this sarcastic flavor to you. Or you're a perfectionist and you can actually put down on paper how you do have a legitimate complaint. But it's just really because you're so perfectionist about everything. And you don't give people any slack. The bottom line is we have to put, put away this. Put away this thing that's weaved into the typical American and even the American Christian. I've got to live life without that. In the Old Testament... Remember now, again, it's been dealt with. In the Old Testament, God brought Israel into the, out of Egypt into the wilderness, did miracles for them, and sustained them. You know, really the reason, um, 
why they didn't go in sooner is because of this um, and because of a lack of faith. They could have went in pretty soon into the promised land. I mean, God had a time for them. He wanted to spend time with them. And, but when they were presented with the opportunity to go into the promised land, again, their habit of complaining came out. And God said, fine, that is it. You're going to stay into the land, and all the ones that are 20 years old, you're going to stay in the wilderness and die. The ones 20 and under will eventually get to go into the land, and then 40 years later they do with Joshua. Complaining had a dire consequence for people. Um, God judged it severely. He judged murmuring and complaining severely in the Old Testament to Israel. Um, so for us who want to live life with it, if you want to just say, oh, pastor, whatever, and you kind of dismiss what I'm saying, if you want to live life with this continually, and if I want to keep living life with this, then there's two things I need to remember that I'll face. Number one, I'm living, I'm realizing that I'm living life with a continual sin. If I keep making murmuring and complaining a habit, I am continually sinning against God. That's not my opinion. It's God. He said, you know, it, he that knows to do good and do it, does it not, it to him it is sin. If I know to refrain from this and yet I keep doing it, then I'm sinning constantly against God, even if it's fashionable, even if it's in style. If I want to keep living life with murmuring and complaining, I'm sinning against God. Secondly, I will, just like Israel, like I mentioned, will find myself um, missing out on God's points of blessings. I think we miss out on blessings because of this. I don't want to miss out on any blessings from God. Do you? I don't want to miss out on blessings. Well, then don't be like Israel then and learn to deal with some of our dismay. Well, and that's our question for today. How do I rise above this then? How do I rise above this? If, can you admit that? Don't, don't, don't admit it out loud, but just think of verse 14. Isn't that an issue with you? It is with me. I know how to do everything with a murmur and a dispute. I can do everything with murmurings and disputing. Just take me somewhere. I'll find something to dispute and murmur about. I can. But, so that's a problem. Well, I want to rise above it. I want to grow out of it. I want to put away this commonly, sometimes fashionable sin. So the question is, how do I? How do I do life without murmurings and disputings? Well, how do I do life without sugar? Well, I got to find an alternate diet. How do you do life without murmurings and disputing? Ah, we have some alternate choices then. Here's, a, here's some truths. I actually have eight enabling truths, and that's why I'm saying we may preach the rest of this next week. Eight enabling truths that can help me do life without murmuring and disputing, and therefore please God. The first truth, if I'm going to live life without murmuring and disputing, is the first thing is I need to learn to admit this is even a sin. Number one, I need see you're not if you don't think that this is a sin, forget it. Then go do something else. But if you know this is a sin, then I need to first of all admit this is a sin and come to the truth that it is. It is a sin to keep complaining in this way to God or people. What type of murmur are you? Are you the little whiner? Are you the real, <coughs> the, <clears throat> the envious one? Are you the, the, uh, the, the perfectionist? What type are you? It doesn't matter what type you are, really. It's still a sin. 
The way forward with God starts with confession. The way forward with God starts with confession. I'm going to read Proverbs 28, 13. Uh, Proverbs 28, 13, it says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, it says, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Do you hear that? He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So no matter what your sin is, like, Pastor, are you talking about this complaining stuff? Look, I don't steal. I don't cheat people. I don't hurt people. Well, that's a sin too. So whatever, if it's a, the, what you deem as a little sin of being a complainer or a big sin of stealing, it's still sin. And the Bible says, he that covers that is not going to prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall find mercy. That's what it says. First um, John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The idea is whatever your sin is, whether you think it's a big or small, whatever one it is, God says, I am good news to you if you confess it. It's always good news to confess any sin to God. All right, so when it comes to this, if I want to live life without it, I need to confess it. Maybe I need to confess today, maybe tomorrow, maybe the next time uh, I'm I'm battling it. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, As long as a man is alive and out of hell... He cannot have any cause to complain. <laughs> that, could, that could end the whole sermon today. Some of you wish it would. <laughs> as long as a man is alive and out of hell, he cannot have any cause to complain. What? Yep. Wow. So what's going to help me live without it? I think in the Bible showing that, you know, we admit our sin is sin to God, that's a... We're making some forward steps in living without murmuring and complaining. Number two, uh, here's something that will help us do life without murmuring and complaining. You say, you know what? <sighs> you know, we need to just look at our life and accept responsibility for the choices we're making. Put on our big boy pants, okay? Sometimes we're complaining about stuff. I understand there's things that happened to us that we had no choice. Sometimes you complain about stuff that you just made a choice yourself. Don't complain about the choices you've made. The Bible says in Galatians 5, every man shall bear his own burden. Romans 2, 6 says that the Lord's going to, listen, you know how the Lord's going to judge every man? He's going to judge every man according to his works. He's not going to judge you according to what somebody did on you. Did you know that? He's not going to judge you according to something that happened to you or somebody, something that was decided for you. He's going to judge every man according to his works, that is, according to the things he chose to do. So God is one of personal responsibility. God is a God who puts a premium on personal responsibility. And I'm just saying, if I'm making bad decisions, I need to just zip my lip and stop complaining about it, the the pain of it. I made those choices. One man said there's three kinds of people in life, accusers, excusers, and choosers. Accusers go around saying, it's your fault. That's like Adam and Eve. Excusers say, well, it's not really my fault. I, I, I'm, the, I'm a product of my environment. And then choosers accept responsibility for their own decisions. Mark Twain said, don't complain. And you don't have to, this is just funny. I don't, it's not serious advice. Um, don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of people don't care. And the other 20% think you deserve them. So... 
I don't think that was a scientific study he made, but anyways. <clears throat> All right, what else? Number three, what will help me live without the murmurings and disputings? Realize it's okay to leave an argument. See, part of the word here, murmuring and disputing, disputing is like, well, I, I, you want to argue with something. You know, I need to tell, if God has shown me the gospel and I hear a false gospel in my ear, I need to tell what God said. If they call that a dispute, fine. If they call it continuing for the faith, great. I need to say what God has shown me. But if it's just these things where common conversation, we always have to contend, you always have to argue, you always have to fight, you always have to dispute. You know, I don't have to always argue. I don't have to always be perceived as right. There's even a proverb that says this, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife. But every fool will be meddling. Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is an honor for man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. In other words, it's okay to just leave off an argument. One guy tried this. One husband tried this. Came home from work one day, walked right in the door. His wife just started fussing with him. She said um, she just started an argument. He argued back, and they're going back and forth. You know, he got home from It was around 6.30. He gets home from work. She starts arguing, he starts arguing, and they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. He wasn't getting anywhere. He was trying to make things right, wasn't getting anywhere. Finally, he said, all right, listen, sweetie, listen, let's just start over and pretend that I'm just now getting home, okay? So he goes out the door. He says, let's pretend I'm going to go out the door. I'm going to come back in. Let's just start this whole thing over. We're just not doing good, and I'm going to go out the door, come back in. Let's pretend I just now got home. Let's try this again. So he does. He steps outside and came in. He walks inside. And she says, hmm, 7.30 at night, you're just now getting home, huh? <laughs> he was trying, man, she just kept arguing about that. It's okay to leave an argument. That will help me reduce my disputing. Number four, realize it's, okay to compl- it's also okay to calmly confront a person. Not only is it okay to, to just like, yeah, I don't have to argue. It's also okay to, if there is a need and you really are concerned about it, to confront somebody about a need or about a concern calmly, like a Christian. The Bible says um, in Leviticus 19.17, Thou shalt not hate thy brother. Pardon me. It says, Thou shalt not hate, yeah, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. What it's saying is, don't hate them, but you can rebuke somebody. There's a problem. Rebuke means, look, this is wrong, and this is what's right, and this wrong thing is affecting me, and you're doing this wrong thing. You can do it in the context of loving that person. That's Old Testament advice. Um, Faith for all the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. It's okay to calmly confront one another. Listen to this. It's okay to calmly confront someone, anyone, with whom you have a genuine concern rather than grumble behind their back. Murmur behind the back. Why don't you just go to somebody and tell them your concern? Oh, that because that takes a little courage. That's right. It's time to grow up. If there's a real need and it's really bothering you, confront the person. I, you know, I have this happen. I've had to talk to people, and this happened to me. I know it's happened to you. How many of us have ever lived in, 
in apartments and you've had a loud person by, next to you, close to you. All right? How many do now? Anybody now? A few? Johnny, you need an apartment? Got some? Your sister's kind of loud next to him. <laughs> I, we, we lived, our first apartments were Gilbert Greens up the road here. Um, and I liked it. I kind of sentimental about it, you know. Oh, my first house, you know. And, uh, and the neighbor behind us, we were downstairs. The neighbor behind us was, you know, just one time getting loud, real loud. And, and we've had it before. I'm like, ah, I'll try to live with it. But it was loud. I couldn't sleep. Now, I had a choice. I'm like, or, and I probably did that for a little bit, but, rather, but not for long. I went outside. I went over there and knocked on the door and said, hey, man, it's kind of loud. I'm trying to rest. I don't know if we had, jo Johanna was born when we were there. I don't know if we had her at the time, but that would have been additional ammunition. Um, but I said, hey, can you just turn it down a little bit? Oh, yeah, okay, man. Okay, cool. All right, you know. And he, and he did, turned it down a little bit. But um, I, that's what I needed to do. Once we moved into this new neighborhood over here. I say new, it's been 18 years at, in Finley Farms at Greenfield and Warner. And we moved in there. We've seen a couple different neighbors. The last neighbors we have right now, the Uribes, have been there for, I don't know, maybe 15 years. Good neighbors. <clears throat> and uh, one time, I think early on, he was doing some kind of gathering, a celebration for something, maybe. I don't know if it's quinceanera or maybe a baptism for one of his kids or something. Um, but they were doing something. And, and we did have babies at the time. And it was loud. And I couldn't get, and I was like, man, my kids can't sleep and I can't sleep. And it was just kind of loud. And so I just had, went over there and, hey, Joe, talked to him. Man, it's just a little loud. You know, and can you just turn it down? Oh, okay, you know, not everybody, not everybody's going to be as friendly as that neighbor. He's like, okay, okay, yeah, I didn't know that. So they turned it down a little bit, you know. What was the choice? I could talk to him and not suffer sin upon him. <laughs> or I could go on murmur and complain and keep sinning myself. I did that. Now, the ironic thing about my neighbor, Joe uh, Uribe, is I feel bad for him now. Because I have loud boys, and he has not come over yet. And I hope he just, I should just tell him, hey, man, forever too loud, come see. Actually, the other neighbors, um, the Kelseys on the other side, I told them, I was like, man, I am sorry my kids are loud. And the lady said, Tammy said, oh, it's okay. We like hearing kids, the sound of kids, she said. I was like, all right. You know, and my, my kids get loud, you know. And so now I, can, I might be the loud one. But the idea is it's okay. And again, because I see this happen with me, with people come to me, and they complain, they complain, complain, complain about somebody. Hey, have you go talk to them? No. Then I don't want to hear from you. I, I really say that. I don't want to hear from you. Um, be quiet or go talk to them about it. You see that? No, we want to keep murmuring. That's the fleshly American thing to do. No, we need to say, look, either I need to stop complaining or I need to go try to deal with this person and confront myself. All right. How do I live without murmurings and disputings? It's so hard. Well, f acknowledge it as sin because it is. Admit it. Accept responsibility for your current choices that you are and have been making. Number three, it's okay to remember it's okay to leave an argument. That'll eliminate a lot of disputing. Number four, realize it's okay to calmly confront a person. That can eliminate a lot of murmuring. 
And then number five, and we'll just stop, we'll just wrap it up on this point. Number five is this. Yes, let's practice the alternative of giving thanks. Practice the alternative of giving thanks. Okay, so here we go. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. If God has ever counseled you through a scripture he's taught you or something the Holy Spirit put in your heart, then you can bless the Lord. Psalm 103, 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Psalm 103, verse 22, bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalm 134, 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. It's okay to do that. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Psalm 18, 49, therefore will I give thanks unto Thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto Thy name. Psalm 35, 18, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Psalm 97, 12, rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Psalm 5, verse 11, let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. And Psalm 149, verse 5, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. This is the psalmist speaking, just some samples of it. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. If we complained less and praised more, we should be happier and God would be more glorified. Let us daily praise God for common mercies, common as we frequently call them, and yet so priceless, that when deprived of them, we're ready to perish. Let us bless God for the eyes with which we behold the sun, for the health and strength to walk abroad, for the bread we eat, for the raiment we wear. Let us praise Him that we are not cast out among the hopeless or confined amongst the guilty. Let us thank Him for liberty, for friends, for family, associations and comforts. Let us praise Him, in fact, for everything which we receive from His bounteous bounteous hand. For we deserve little, And yet are we most plenteously endowed. But beloved, the sweetest and loudest note in our songs of praise should be of redeeming love that we are redeemed ourselves to Him. He says, let's cry with the the psalmist David, bless the Lord all my soul and all that is in me, bless His holy name. So how are you doing life? Ask yourself, how am I doing life? Am I doing life? uh, You might be doing life without gluten, or without caffeine, or without sugar, that's good. But are we doing life without murmuring and complaining? Let's, let's go for that. Let, that's what we need. It'll make us different. Um, some people, <coughs> you ever see those, have you ever seen the, the hoarders? You know, the people, they have the show and it shows hoarders, and they just like, ah, don't get rid of this stuff. Don't get rid of my people. There's like a psychological thing going on there. You know, they can't do without massive amounts of junk. My wife loves to get rid of stuff. She loves to do without. And it's a funny thing. One thing we can't do without, <clears throat> we can't do without Christ. We can't do the next life without Christ for sure. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, 
the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. We can't do without Christ. How shall we escape hell? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? If you're here today, you think, oh, Jesus is good, but you know what? I'm pretty good too. No, can't do without him. You're not good enough. He was good enough, and he did a little trade for you on the cross. All your sins on him, if you believe on him, all of his righteousness is put on your account in God's eyes. I can't do without Christ. I could not do without thee, the psalm, one song writer says. So do you believe this? You believe what we're saying here? You believe what the Apostle Paul's telling us? It's a need? And now let's pray together and ask God to help us in this.